You are listening to a Spoken Word Ministries podcast. Our heart is to proclaim the gospel and equip believers for ministry. If you're interested in learning more about our ministry, go to www.swma.ca. You can also find us on Facebook. Now sit back and enjoy this message. Some social distancing. We've measured out all the places in the church and we're, we're having live services. And uh, anyway... So, for those who weren't able to make it, um, I just want to share a little bit of the message. Um, just a brief recap. We, uh, we looked at Galatians 5.1, and Galatians 5.1 says, It's for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm and don't be subject again to a yoke of slavery. It's for freedom, Christ. Has, I love that statement. Why does Christ set us free? Christ sets us free for freedom's sake. We talked a little bit about how, you know, we are not designed to live with guilt and shame and all that kind of stuff. And God knows that. God actually designed us. If we go back to Genesis, uh, where he talks about how he designed the first people. He designed them. They were innocent. They were free of all shame and guilt. He turned them loose in the garden. They had uh, absolute freedom. We were designed for freedom. And so when Galatians 5.1 says it's for freedom, Christ set us free, Paul is just basically saying God's agenda in our life is to return us to the state that he, was, he created us for. He created us for freedom. And uh, that's why we don't carry guilt well, because we weren't designed to carry guilt. That's why Jesus came, because Jesus came to carry the guilt for us and destroy his power over our lives. So, a powerful passage. And then we, uh, we went from there and we talked a little bit about... Um, John three sixteen to seventeen, probably the most famous verse in the Bible. John three sixteen says um, that for God so loved the world. Who did he love? He loved the world. He didn't just love the repentant ones. He just didn't love the performers, the high performers, all that kind. Of, he didn't have favorites. Um, the Apostle Paul goes on at a later point in time, and he actually says, "With God there is no favoritism." He loved the world. He loves each of us, though we know it or not. And that drive, that motivation drove him to do what he did. Uh, it is the thing that drives God in every interaction with us. He is driven by his love for us. And so he came to save the world. He says, for those who believe in him, they will not perish but have eternal life. Believe, I always say that believe is sort of a composite thing. It's uh, understanding something, but it's also trusting. And so those who say, you know, Lord, I trust you, and I've seen many people, you know, especially people that are sort of at the end of themselves, where they finally say, you know, I can't do this life anymore on my own. Lord, I'm in your hands. I trust you. God is free in their lives due to their surrender to simply save them. And he says, you know, if life here sort of sucks, this ain't all there is. There's an eternity coming. It's really good. And you will have a place there with me. Uh, John 3.17 is the next verse that follows along with that. And I love that because, again, one of the things I find myself looking for is, you know, as I strive over the years or try over the years to understand the heart of God, I have gone looking for what does the Scripture say about God's heart, His purpose, His intent. And uh, John 3.17, Jesus flat out says, The Son didn't come into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world. Could he condemn? Absolutely, he could. But that's not his purpose. 
You know, it's my, one of my favorite illustrations for those of you who um, uh, have heard me before is the diaper illustration, right? When a kid fills his diaper, like my kids used to and like I did as a kid, our parents who love us have an immediate purpose. And that purpose is to cleanse us, you know, and to restore us to joy. And that is the purpose of God. That's what he comes to do. He comes to cleanse. He comes to heal. He comes to release. He comes to forgive. He comes to take upon himself the burden that we cannot carry. So have we failed? Sure. Everybody, you know what? That's one of the things I don't spend a lot of time doing is beating people up over their sin. Most people know that they have failures in their life. And most people are fighting with those failures actively. God comes to lift the fight, to take the fight upon himself. So that's, that's the whole purpose of God because he loves us and he knows he can't, we can't deal with this stuff on our own. He comes to say, give it to me. You know, you who are weary and heavy laden, come to me, I will give you rest. So this exchange, right? I love the passage coming up after that that we talked about, Romans 5.8. Romans 5.8 says, God took the initiative that in his love for us, like any good parent, he took the initiative to show that love. It says that while we were yet sinners, while we ran our own lives our own way by our own purposes, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. God demonstrated his love for us that he didn't wait for us to do anything. He came after us. And I found that to be so powerful. You know, that the times when I have messed up, the times I've become selfish, my God in his love for me goes, my boy needs help. And he initiates the help before I even go looking for it. John 1.5 was another powerful one that we, uh, we looked at. John 1.5, you know, when I was young, I used to read these passages out of the beginning of John, and I thought they were sort of esoteric. You know, they were not real <laughs> understandable. They're like fairly academic. Anyway, John 1.5 simply says, He is the light of the world, and his light shines in the darkness, and the darkness does not overcome it. And, and I remember doing a devotional one day, and I was working with a young person. I don't know. I was working with a couple of people back then. I don't remember all the details. But I was rem remember that, you know what, this idea of light into darkness. Jesus is considered to be the light of the world. He shines. He destroys the power of darkness. What happens in the darkness? You know, evil happens in the darkness, according to the Apostle Paul. Um, uh, bad things happen in the darkness. That's where the thieves operate. That's where. So when we think about that, the imagery is actually that 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 the enemy of our soul, the devil, works in the darkness, um, and 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 the th the darkness in our life is is the thing that binds us. And Jesus comes along and he says, "I am the light, and I shine in the darkness, and the darkness does not understand me, overcome me, interface with me." So this idea that's presented in John 1.5 is that when Jesus comes into the darkness, he displaces a light. I'm reminded, I told a story about a, a man I met some time ago, on the, way far away from here. And he had been struggling with depression and violent thoughts and uh, uh, perverse thoughts and, and really, you know, and he was locked in due to COVID and all this kind of stuff. And Anyway, when I ended up visiting with him, he, he shared all this stuff, and he says, I don't know what's wrong with me. He says, like, my thoughts are violent all the time. My thoughts are perverse all the time. He says, I, I, they torment me. I, I don't know what to do. And so I unpacked with him, John 1.5. I said, I don't know what to do either, but I know someone who does. 
And scripture says he is the light that shines in the dark. If, if you have darkness in your life, can we invite Jesus into the darkness? It's a simple reality. Then he goes, okay. So we prayed a prayer sort of like this, you know, dear Jesus, I invite you into my darkness. I invite you into the violent thoughts in my head, the thoughts of hate, the anger in my heart, the, the perversion in my head. Come there. I don't know how to get rid of it, but I'm inviting you there. A couple of days ago, I got an email from this man, and he said, you know, after that prayer, he said, uh, violent thoughts are just about all gone. Perverse thoughts are massively reduced. Next time I see this guy, we're going to be praying again. You know, part of the journey that we're on is inviting, is inviting Jesus into the darkness. It is not about fixing ourselves. It's about giving Jesus access and letting Jesus do what Jesus always did. You know, Jesus found the people in need of him. You know, I, you know, I always think about that too because not everybody knows they need Jesus. And sometimes when Jesus even came to people, he said, you know, are you willing that I enter your challenge? Are you willing to give up the thing you're holding on to? And some people aren't. And even Jesus couldn't help people that weren't willing to be helped. But those that were at the end of themselves, those who said, you know what, I'm done fighting this fight on my own, Jesus, I'm ready. Jesus always entered into that darkness, and he always, he always saved. So we looked at that passage. You know, one of the things that has to be said, though, this is not always easy. When you enter the darkness, when you open the darkness, a lot of people have got their darkness sort of bottled up as hard as they can because what they're trying to do is they're trying to, they're trying to survive their darkness. They're trying to... You know, they don't know what to do with it, so they're trying to live with it. They're trying to cope with it. They're trying to survive with it. And they don't understand the love of God, and they don't, they don't understand that there is a God who desires to help them and be, and, and be a strength to them. So, Romans 5.20 comes to mind. Romans 5.20 says, The law came that sin might be increased that where sin increased, the grace of God might abound all the more. What does that, what does that mean? Again, I got to go back to my, uh, my, uh, my diaper illustration. My diaper illustration, you know, I, you could never, in my experience anyway, and I had four kids in diapers at one point, you could never change a diaper without opening it and exposing the mess. You had to expose the mess to access the mess, to cleanse the mess, right? Now, the thing you got to understand about, if we think about sin in our lives, uh, the brokenness in our lives, we, when we change diapers, we never mistook the baby for the poop. The baby was beautiful, the poop not so much. The baby we wanted to clean, the poop we wanted to throw out. This is what God does with sin. God never mistakes us for our screw-ups. He never mistakes us for our mistakes. He never says, you are your sin. He always says, you are my beloved, and I want to cleanse and heal and restore you because I love you. And so I want to get rid of the sin that is destroying you. This is the heart of God. And in that process, there is a revealing that happens. As God reveals the issues that we are struggling with. And so... This, that's, that's really what the Ten Commandments are all about. You know, I've, I've met lots of people over the years that think the way to please God is to keep the Ten Commandments. That is not the case. 
The Ten Commandments were given to give us awareness of our sin, awareness of our failure, but for a special purpose. Why would you need to be aware of your failures so that you can turn to the one who can help you? And that's what Romans 5.20 says. What God does is he reveals the sin, he reveals the failure in our life, simply put so that it's exposed, it's on the surface, just like an open diaper, and the loving parent, God himself, can access it and cleanse it away. You gotta open them the diaper to cleanse the mess. You gotta access the mess to cleanse the mess. Which means that when God begins to reveal to you something that is hard in your life, instead of trying to pack it away, instead of trying to you know zip up a full diaper again, you say, Lord, this is what I carry, this is what's in my life. I invite you there. I give you the failure in my life, that you may cleanse me. It's a moment of surrender. It's a moment of abs absolute honesty. You know, in my work, um, I do a little bit of work with addicts. One of the first stages of dealing with addiction is that honest, open confession, that exposure of the struggle, of the brokenness that Romans 5.20 talks about. Because in that exposure... God is able to work. So anyway, you know, that was the message that we shared at Emmanuel Lutheran Church out here in Stony Plain yesterday. Um, it was a good time. And we got to see God move. And you know, that's so exciting. Wow. Anyway. Anyway, bless you all. I just wanted to update you a little bit. Uh, this, this is my first shot at, you know, sitting here, like I say, with... Facebook Live and all that kind of stuff. But thank you for watching. Keep us in your prayers here out at Emmanuel. Um, this little church has gone through some difficult days over the last number of years. But God is redeeming something. He's moving here. And uh, we're very excited about that. So be encouraged. And, you know, if you can come out to church uh, next Sunday, we'll... We'll have everything measured out for um, social distancing and we should have room for you. Uh, and if not, keep us in your prayers because, again, God is at work. God be with you and may the peace of God that passes all human understanding guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. Amen.